How do we feel about the fact that Avram Avinu was willing to send Sarah as his sister into Paro's lair, using the argument that they were going to give him gifts? I mean, if he was looking to save his life, that would make sense. But what does it mean that he was looking for gifts? We know that Avram Avinu told Sarah on the way down to Mitzrayim, what's going to happen is the Egyptians will see you, and then they're going to say, you're my wife. They will kill me and preserve you. Therefore, my suggestion is, rather tell them that you are my sister. Here comes the controversial part. In order that they will give me They'll do good things for me on your behalf. And I will survive because of you. That's a well-known question. Many of them are from Reza, Tabarbanel, the Al-Sheikh, etc. How could Avram Avinu have jeopardized Sarah in such a way, put her in a vulnerable position, as the Mitzim Zolnirutsunim, that she'd be abducted by the Egyptians, in order to save himself? All of those commentators go into many different explanations of how it is that Avram Avinu did not do anything that was contrary to the Torah. And in Zoya, in Zoya state, as Avram is given zikhir, as the schus from Sarah, vete baishten and bevet irnit onririn. And the Zohar goes so far as to say that Avram Avinu was absolutely confident that Sarah Imenu had such tremendous merits behind her that she would be immune and protected and nobody would be able to harm her. Okay, that's all good. So, but there's a part of the question. So, yes, Avram Avinu knew that Sarimena was protected. But, the fact that Avram Avinu said directly to Sarah that you should go to the Egyptians so they'll do good to me on your behalf. Which means, as Rashi says, that by virtue of the fact that they see Sarah as his sister, they will give him great gifts, obviously, to have the sister, so to speak, in marriage. How is it possible when in such a delicate, sensitive situation, to put Sarah into such a horrible position? So, and the argument of why Avram Avinu is doing this is because there's a threat to his life, which we accept. How is it possible How could part of the conversation, how could even enter the conversation, enter his mind, that part of the consideration is he will get gifts? It's, it's, that's actually what he says first. He says, you should say that you're my sister. Not, that I should survive. First he says, because then they'll give me gifts. And afterwards he speaks about survival. How could that possibly be Avram Avinu's Perspective. Now we're going to see what the Zohar says over here. And the Zohar initially is going to be a little bit abstract, but we'll explain it and, and go through it in detail. The Zohar stolz of them und frekt. So the, the Zohar phrases the question this way. Vachi Avram diu dochel chato. Avram avinu hu fiertzen rechimu de kutscher bricha have. And he was somebody who loved Hashem and Hashem loved him. Omar hochi al itse begin to yotfinle. He's going to speak in that way about his wife in order that he should benefit. And then the Zohar responds, how did Avram Avinu come to that position? As Avram lost some delay, that Avram Avinu was not relying on his own schus, and he was not asking Hashem to consider his personal merits, but he was completely reliant on Sarah, his wife's merits. And what was he relying on? That he would then, in her merit, be able to 
get the, the wealth of other nations, in this case the Egyptians, in her merit, because that's how finances work in a marriage. Because the way that a man gets to have financial success is in the schus of his wife. And then, the Zohar then goes into, into detail how when a person has a wise wife, he has tremendous value that comes to him financially. And then, lastly, the Zohar concludes, he also relied on the fact that she had so much merit, that nobody would be able to harm him in Sarah's merit, and nobody would be able to mistreat her in her merit. And therefore he had no hesitation to say, she's my sister and see what's going to follow. There too we have a big question mark. What was the main original question that Zayar asked? Would Avram have been to speak that way about his wife in order to benefit? It is the same question we originally asked. How could he jeopardize or endanger his wife in order to get a benefit? Surely the answer to that is because he knew there was no danger. They won't be able to touch her. And therefore he didn't hesitate to say, sorry is his sister. So why does the Zohar include, and not only include, but preface, that Avram was confident that he, through his wife's source, would get money from the Egyptians. And the Zohar goes into detail about it, the whole concept of how you get money in the source of your wife. The fact that they won't be able to touch or harm her, is the last thing that the Zohar says. What's with these priorities? Let's analyze further what the Zohar said. Originally That Avraham Avinu did not rely on his own merits and didn't ask Hashem to consider his merits. What's that got to do with the question? The question was, would Avram Avinu speak this way and expose his wife in order to gain financial benefit? How is it relevant that he wasn't relying on his personal schus? What's that got to do with it? Now, in order to understand this, let's get into the headspace of what Avram Avinu understands as Hashem's promises to him and how that affects this particular story. So the Hashem had already promised Avram that when he leaves home and he goes on this undisclosed journey that Hashem has guided him to, he's going to get certain brachas. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you. I'll make your name great. What does it mean I will bless you? Rashi tells us that Hashem was telling him he'd bless him with financial success. Therefore, is by Avram given obligated as does was the Bishop Gifrit as as Avram gave us a vacant for Eretz Yisrael. So now Avram Avinu realizes that it has to be if the Bishop is now forcing me out of Eretz Yisrael through a, a famine, and Masio loses me mena, he's kind of forcing, compelling him to leave. On your time, Mitzrayim, and the destination he now has to go to is Mitzrayim. Is ech fabunim mit the durchfuhren from the Bishop and Saftoch of Avorechach. That has to be part of the plan to fulfill Hashem's promise that He was going to bless him. Vasvetulfkiton durch lechlecha, which was all part of the greater concept of lechlecha of His journey. So, in other words, in Avram Avinu's mind, going to Mitzrayim has to fulfill the bracha. What does the bracha include? Financial success. On a yoy sasahot kizen in derechateva veg vies ken oyis gifirdven. 
because Avraham Avinu, who knows that when you get a bracha from Hashem, the ideal way to manifest that bracha is through natural processes. So he can see a natural path to be able to gain um, assets from Mitzrayim. By putting up this ruse that Sarah is his sister. So he took that opportunity and said, tell them you're my sister. And that's actually what happened. Because Sarah proposed herself or uh, um, presented herself as his sister, they gave Avram Avinu massive flocks of various kinds of animals. So that would be the simplest explanation. Avram Avinu is now looking to see how to fulfill Hashem's brocha through this particular ruse that he's going to come up with. There's a far deeper spiritual perspective to this as well. We do know that Avram Avinu's travels of Lechlecha were there to catapult him to a much higher spiritual place. <clears throat> and how would it get to that spiritual place? By Avram Avinu being ex- exposed to different areas of the world, he would then be able to rescue the hidden sparks of holiness in those places, and that would elevate him. And that's part of the journey of going to Mitzrayim because there are sparks of holiness embedded in Mitzrayim that have to be elevated. So Avraham Avinu is going there not just to get personal assets. Avraham Avinu is not interested in wealth. He's interested in doing what Abishta wants, which is to take physical material matters and transform them to become holy. Now, any mitzvah that we do has to always follow natural processes, like the famous story with Alter Rebbe saying Kiddush Levan on the boat when he was arrested by the Russians, and they had to stop the boat with natural processes. So the way you're supposed to do a mitzvah is always through uh, regular natural means. So therefore, so therefore, Avram Avinu, with his wisdom, identifies that if he could suggest to them that, that Sarah is his sister, and therefore they would want to arrange for her to become Pari's wife, and therefore they would give him gifts, that would be a natural process to get these assets, which contain sparks of holiness, out of Mitzrayim. And therefore, actually, what Avram Avinu is saying, that it would be good for me, doesn't mean it would be good for his bank account. It means it would be good for his spiritual service of Hashem. He'd be able to achieve his avoider. So the kasha from Zayar is, the question that Zayar asks with that in mind is, so the Zoya's question is fine so Avram Avinu will be spiritually, spiritually elevated because he'll achieve his objective which is taking out the sparks of holiness but what about Sarah? what does she gain? while all of this is going on and Avram Avinu is being elevated spiritually Sarah is languishing in an Egyptian home Yes, she's protected and nobody can harm or touch her or abuse her in any way. But the fact is, she's in the lowest of the low while Avram Avinu is floating skyward with his Biruhanit Saitis. That's the question of the Zoya, is the Kasha. How could Avram be the direct cause of Sarah having to experience such a state of decline to Zion base Pari, to be in Pari's house, to in order to facilitate his personal spiritual elevation? What about hers? Even though Avram Avinu was absolutely clear that he's not going to Mitzrayim because Debesh is just making life difficult for him, it has to be because he's going there in order to flip his uh, to, to flip the Mitzrayim into something of holiness and therefore to be elevated. 
But the Ebush has many alternatives to how an objective could be fulfilled. Surely Avram Abinu should have trusted Hashem that there's another way to get the Nitzaytzes out of Mitzrayim without jeopardizing Sir. So that's the Zohar's big question. How could Avram Avinu take that responsibility to push Sarah into a state of spiritual decline in order to facilitate his state of spiritual growth? And if they meant for the Zohar to that, the Zohar says, you have to understand how the dynamics work. The whole process was not going to depend on Avram Avinu's merits and input, but rather on Sarah's merits and input. Because of her, that's how he'll get the assets, and obviously with those assets, the Nitzetis as well. Because the rule is that a man gets to have financial value and benefit thanks to his wife. That's not only how it is in material matters, that's how it is in spiritual terms. So whatever the wife, whatever Sarah represents in spiritual terms will become the key to the success of Avram and whatever he represents in spiritual terms. So what does that mean? In order to achieve the elevation that Avram had the potential to achieve by elevating, by extracting the, the, the sparks of holiness in Mitzrayim, to get to achieve that, Avram alone going into Mitzrayim would not achieve the objective. His abilities, his capacity, his merits wouldn't be powerful enough to extract and elevate those sparks. He needs Sarah and he needs her merits in order to facilitate this happening. Specifically, by Sarah Menu being captured and taken to Paro's house. Then, only then is it going to be possible to elevate the sparks of holiness that are stuck in Mitzrayim. Now, we need to understand why that is, and we'll explain it. So, now putting the Zohar's concept together, the only way that Avram Avinu will be able to achieve his objective and achieve the elevation that Mitzrayim offers in potential is only through Sarah, the so-called wise woman who has the capacity to unlock the sparks of holiness, is moven. Obviously, Avram Avinu is not now going to be harmed if Sarah Imenu carries the key for turning this into a successful mission. By him putting Sarah into the mission, he's not going to be harmed. So Avram Avinu is not going to get sucked down into Mitzrayim. Neither will they be able to harm Sarah Imenu when it her net result of this experience is not only going to be protection from harm, but she also will not suffer in any way spiritually as a result. Now, this is not just a story that happened once upon a time. It's a lesson for us. And in unpacking this lesson, we'll get a deeper perspective on what is actually going on over here and why Sarah is the kingpin of this whole process. As if like any story of our forefathers, this is an indicator for us in terms of how we approach and serve Hashem. This happens to be a lesson which speaks to the overall principle of why the Neshama came down into this physical world and has to face the challenges of this world. And then more specifically, while living in this world, has to go through the massive challenges of Golos. Baruch 
Because Avram and Sarah are archetypes for the neshama and the body, and therefore whatever happened in their lives is an illustration of what's happening in the journey of our own neshama with our own body. And so that's why we've got to drill deeper into their story, which will also have tremendous value for us understanding how we're supposed to serve Hashem. Vahayinu, this means as follows. We know that the general goal of our life in this world is to take the physical world and to elevate and to extract those sparks of holiness and reconnect them to their source and the two ways in which this could be achieved. So obviously the neshama is the one that's leading the charge. The neshama is the one that's inspiring us in order to do what the Hebishna wants. So the one method is the neshama is leading the way and the body basically follows and obviously the body is awake to the fact that the neshama has an objective that it is seeking to fulfill. But then there's another method. There's another approach, which is where how we serve Hashem depends completely on the body and only through things the body can do that the Neshama actually cannot do. So in that scenario, the human who's engaging and elevating the world is not separate from the world. In order to facilitate the second methodology, the person has to actually invest in the world, become, uh, I, don't, I don't want to say materialistic, but certainly engage with material things. Tackling the issues of this world that are really difficult to deal with and where there's typically the upper hand to the less healthy parts of society. But the person in this storm of physicality is still doing what Debishta wants. So these two approaches where you're living pretty much guided by the neshama but the body tags along in order to facilitate what has to be done versus the person who is actually immersed in this world and using the world as a platform in order to serve Hashem is what Hasidus goes into great detail to distinguish between the mode of service of Hashem which is called a sister and the mode that is called a wife. Sister and wife represent two different types of love of Hashem, which are similar to the two different loves of siblings versus a spouse. The introduces us to the idea that inbuilt within every single Jewish person, hardwired into our system, is a love of Hashem that even though we don't feel it because it's a hidden love of Hashem, it is there. And it never dies. It is hardwired into our nature and it can never stop, can never cease. That is, that is like the relationship between siblings, the love that they have for each other, which is a natural love. And you can never suspend that love because it's siblings. Whereas the love between husband and wife can unfortunately dissipate and that's why we have the laws of divorce. So the value of the love between siblings is its consistency. But that's exactly the reason why that's why the love of brother and sister is a natural love. Because yes, it is a natural love and yes, it is a love that can never be undone but it's not a love that becomes overwhelming. Ultimately, no matter how much siblings love each other, the fact is they are distinct people. They're distinct from each other. In, und durch den von Bahamas. 
Whereas the love of Hashem that is achieved, not just because I have a natural connection to Hashem, because deep within myself there's a hidden love of Hashem, but there's a love that comes through hard work, working through the physical challenges of this world in order to serve Hashem in the material space. And that means that I've got to transform the nature of my body and transform the nature of my animal soul. That's much more like the love between husband and wife. Yes, that is a love that could disappear because it isn't natural and had to be created and therefore could be lost. But the thirst, the yearning associated with that love is far more intense than the love of siblings. And the union created by the love of husband and wife is that they actually become a single unit which does not happen with siblings. So, sibling love is consistent and natural and inescapable. Spousal love is created through effort and very intense, even though it could be undone. And that's the lesson Avram is teaching us. How does he get his panasa? How does he get his spiritual wherewithal? Through Sora's merit. In other words, what it's telling us is that the ultimate elevation of the neshama the way the neshama is elevated is by allowing the body to actually immerse in the physical world within the healthy parameters of Torah. Like Sorrow, went into Egypt and not only into Egypt but into Pyro's home. Of course, the purpose of why sorrow goes to Mitzrayim, why the body has to engage the world, is not to become trapped there, but to the contrary, so that it could have an influence and it could elevate that environment. So then, so therefore, naturally, if the goal is elevation of the world, the neshama, by being part of that goal, cannot be harmed or de- demeaned. And likewise, the body is protected from being totally absorbed and totally overtaken by the, the, the negative elements of the physical world. By going through this process, just like Avram and Sarah both emerge stronger and wealthier, in the same way the neshama and the body, by engaging, by the neshama, allowing the body to immerse in the world in a so-called normal, natural way, again within the parameters of Torah, both the body and the soul emerge enriched. It's not yet 100% clear. Let's look at the story. We've now described the difference between the love of siblings and the love of husband and wife. We've said that the experience of challenging the world, entering the world, immersing in the world, is actually the love of husband and wife. So how come it is then that Avraham Avinu Dafka tells Sarah, Tell them you're my sister. Doesn't seem right. So, everything in Torah is absolutely precise. Seeing as we've made it so clear in the Zohar that the only reason Avram succeeds and he gets the Nitzotis of Kedusha represented by the wealth is thanks to his wife, the dynamic of spousal love. How could the story actually play out? How could it then be that the whole story is based on this ruse that Sarah is my sister? But the whole value of Sarah is that she's your wife. The wife, that love of the spouse is what allows us to transform the world. Why now are we backtracking and saying she's only like a sister? 
So this principle plays out in our spiritual service of Hashem, the soul body companionship. Yes, we know that the ultimate way that a person achieves what they're supposed to and elevates themselves cannot happen with an neshama operating in isolation. The neshama requires the body to be the foot soldier, to go out there, to engage the world, and only then can you be elevated. We know that. So the question is, so what's the value of the neshama? Especially when you consider that there are places in Hasidus that say when Avram Avinu told Sora, claim to be my sister, he was effectively saying, let's call on the natural love of the Neshama. But why? It's not the natural love of the, of the Neshama that's going to achieve the objective over here. It's the unique created love like a spouse that pushing ourselves to transform the world. Why here are we referring to her as a sister? So let's go back to something in the Zohar we've quoted, which we haven't yet seen, and that is the preface to this particular story, why the Zohar was even talking about Avram and Sarah going to Mitzrayim in the first place. It's because of a story. What's the story? Rabbi Elozor went to visit his father, and accompanying him was Rabbi Abba. They're traveling. Rabbi Abba says to him, that's, that's while we're traveling. Tell me something. Teach me some Torah. So Rabbi Loza starts to quote the Pasuk where Avraham Avinu tells Sarah, you tell them you're my sister. And he says, there's a great question. And the question we've already seen is, how is it possible that Avraham could imperil Sarah in order to help himself? So the Rebbe Levik, the Rebbe's father, in his commentary on the Zohar says as follows. Why is it that out of all the psukim that Rabbi Elazar could have chosen, he chose this one? Because it's a story relating to Avram Avinu going with Sarah down into Mitzrayim. And Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Abba, they represent similar energies to Avram and Sarah. Because Avram and Sarah are like Chochma and Bina. And so are Rabbi Elazar and Rabbi Abba. Now you've got these two dynamics, the Chochma Bina dynamic represented in these two personalities. And they're traveling, like Avram and Sarah were traveling to Mitzrayim. So who So it's on a journey where Avram says to Sarah, "You present yourself as my sister." Therefore, that's the pasuk that Rabbi Eliezer chose that he was going to use as the introduction to the Torah he wanted to teach Rabbi Abba, who is like the Sarah personality in their relationship on their journey, which is similar to the journey of Avram and Sarah. So so sometimes what happens in Torah is you, you quote something in order to teach you something. And while we're about it, we learn about that subject too. So Rabbi Elos is explaining to Rabbi Abba, he's teaching him about Avram and Sarah, but actually the story of Rabbi Abba and Rabbi Elos teaches us about Avram and Sarah. So this relationship between Rabbi Elos and Rabbi Abba, which is similar to the relationship of Avram and Sarah, the, the Abba Ima Chochma Bina relationship, so their story and their relationship will give us a deeper insight into the relationship between Avram and Sarah, which in turn reflects the relationship between the Neshama and the body. 
The way that the order of spheres works is Bina, understanding, requires input from Chochmah, innovation. In other words, if you don't have a Chochmah, if you don't have a new idea, either that you've innovated or that you're hearing from somebody and learning, then you don't have anything to understand, anything to apply Bina to. So that implies that Chochmah is greater than Bina. It is the catalyst and cause for Bina to happen. But it's not as simple as that. The fact that Bina is able to expand the original kernel of thought of Chochmah into something substantial, something you can understand and you can explain, can become extremely detailed. The fact that you now understand something and that you've expanded it into a lot of detail adds tremendous value to what was originally this brilliant, blinding new idea. And the truth is that Bina adds value inside detail that wasn't present when the idea originally appeared, even though the idea at that point was so compelling and so beautiful. So how is it that Bina, which is ostensibly a lower level than Chochmah, can add value to Chochmah? The time of them is, the answer is, because yes, Bina presents at a lower level than Chochmah, but Bina originates at a higher source than where Chochmah originates. On the river, that allows Bina therefore the opportunity to add value even to Chochmah because it is plugged in to a level that is higher than where Chochmah is plugged into. Aber das, was Bina pelt an Ili in Chochmah, but the mechanics of it are that Bina can only add value to Chochmah after Bina has been given something by Chochmah. So give me information and I will then develop that information and add value to the information that you gave me. But you first have to give me the information. So the mechanics are, when the Chochmah idea is shared with Bina, that activates Bina's link to its higher Shurish, which is beyond Chochmah, which allows Bina now to flesh out that idea and add more value even than what Chochmah originally had. And we see this in the physical relationship of man and wife. We know very well that the principle is that a woman has greater understanding than a man. What does that mean? The physiology of the two. How does a child begin with the seed of the man? So everything is contained in potential form in the seed of the man, but who develops it into a fully grown child? The woman. But the value of what the woman has to share is something you don't immediately see. So therefore, the woman requires the input of the seed from the man to activate her potential to be able to grow a full child. Without that input, the woman is unable to grow any part of a child. The result of that interaction between husband and wife, between man and woman, adds value to the man. Obviously he gets upgraded now to become a parent, become a father, and there's a broker that applies to both husband and wife in this collaborative relationship. So that's how it works. You've got this chokhmah, which has tremendous power and tremendous value, but it's kind of stuck without Bina to develop that potential into a way that Chochmah itself couldn't do. And also Bina, of course, couldn't do anything without the input of Chochmah. So this is what's going on in the dynamic between Rabbi Loz and Rabbi 
They're traveling on a journey. Anytime you travel outside of the base medrash, it is a spiritual decline, and the purpose has to be to garner some kind of a spiritual value. Because both of the characters over here were people whose full-time occupation was Torah study. They were part of the school of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, Rabbi Loza being his son, Rabbi Abba being his colleague. And therefore, their full-time occupation was learning Torah. Totally removed from any engagement in the world. So even though they were traveling for a good purpose, still... They were breaking with their normal total immersion in Torah. And therefore they were stepping out of their very developed and very elevated spiritual space. Therefore Rabbi Abba says, okay, we got it. we've got to bring Torah into the space. Not just to occupy themselves, but because their objective is to take the world and transform and elevate the world, you need to have impetus to be able to do that. So where are we going to get the wherewithal? Where are we going to get the strength? From Torah. So let's learn Torah. That will empower us that we can go into the world and actually make a difference. Now, this is something that has really practical relevance. A business person who has the greatest opportunity to transform and elevate the world because the business person is in the world, much more so than a yeshiva student. But how does the business person have the, the capacity to do this? To make the world into Hashem's home? It's not going to be good enough just to start the day and, you know, as the Shulchan Aruch requires, after you daven, you go and learn something. And then, and then you go about your normal business. But during the course of the business day, the business person still has to dip in and link in to be able to have that power to achieve what they're supposed to, to transform and elevate the business environment to be holy. Even in the business day, the person has to be consciously aware of the fact that Torah has a tremendous value and advantage over the physical, including the whole business. And that has such a meaningful impact on the person that he steals time from the business day in order to learn Torah. So coming back to our conversation, Rabbi Lozan and Rabbi Abba, they need the Torah input so that they could have an effect on the world. So therefore Rabbi Rabbi Abba says to Rabbi Lozan, who is named to indicate that the Abish is going to help me, which is exactly what they need. They need the Abish's help in order to have an effect on the world. So Rabbi Abba says, we need Debishtah's help on this journey to succeed in our objective. How do we get it? Let's learn Torah. Not only learn Torah before we start the journey so that we're empowered, but while we're on the journey that we have to learn Torah there too so that we are consistently empowered. And by having that light of Torah shone into the space, that is going to help illuminate how on the way, we actually achieve what we're supposed to and elevate sparks of holiness. And we see not only do we succeed in what we're doing, but there's a certain value to transforming the world to become holy that even just learning Torah on its own doesn't achieve. Again, Avraham needs Sarah. Same principle. We're going to apply the same principle to Avraham and Sarah, which in turn reflect the Nisham and the body. 
In the Halicha Baderech, the Eridim Mitzrayim in Golos. Now they're on the path. What path? Into Mitzrayim. What does Mitzrayim represent? The physical material world in its Golos state, in its spiritually bereft state. Which also reflects the Neshama coming down into this physical world, living in a body. The only way that the body will succeed, the only way that Sarah will succeed, even though the body has the power, Sarah has the schus, is with the guidance of Avram, with the guidance of the Neshama. And therefore, right at the beginning, Avram Avinu says to Sarah, remember to say that you're a sister. Why? Because the sisterly love represents the love of the Neshama. And therefore, you have to know that even though you're engaging the world and you're doing a magnificent thing that the Neshama on its own cannot do, and this is the goal of why Hashem created the world, be conscious of the fact that there is a deep love of Hashem that the Neshama has that you should be conscious of. When we're conscious of the love the Neshama has, then we are successful in doing the work of the so-called wife approach. Then we can reap the benefits of the body's input, the fact that the body plugs into a spiritual source which is higher than the spiritual source of the Neshama. When guided by the values and the pristine love of the neshama, then we can realize the tumultuous love of the body, of the wife, which actually transcends the love of the neshama. But you can't work in a vacuum. There has to be this guidance, the guidance of Torah and the guidance of the neshama's love. And then the impact is not only that the body is able to align with what Hashem wants, but that the neshama is elevated as a result of that. The neshama gets assets that were not there before. Say it in different words. Having a positive influence on the body, which in turn has a positive influence on the world. Because the body on its own is materialistic and appears to be identical to the bodies of any other being on the planet. And that's why you look at the body and think, you know what, maybe the body actually is a citizen of this world. It actually does belong to the materialistic. That's what happened to Sarah. The Egyptians believed that Sarah was theirs, that belonged in their territory. But as long as the Neshama's love shines through, that sister, that Ava Mesuseris, that built-in love towards Hashem, is felt that will have an influence over the body and the animal soul to feel and experience that love and that will precipitate the kind of avoider that, that the human has to do within the physical world and to do so with love of Hashem not just like going through the motions or doing something as a self-serving interest and when the body is aligned with what the Hebishter wants, impacting the world, transforming the world, bringing out the holiness that is inherent in the world, then the Neshama is able to see and value why the Hebishter's essence chose the body even over the Neshama. And that will of course be expressed in its most obvious way in the future when Mashiach comes. When the body gives nourishment to the neshama, and mitzvah Hashem, that should be something that we experience not in the future, but in the now.